Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 44, week 44, volume 44, number fucking 44. Hey, going, guys? How's your week been? Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We've got a stacked show, as we do every episode. This week, we have all the Mosh news. We've got Mosh reviews, and our Mosh interview is with Mark of Chimera. All of that is coming up in the show. So let's start things off like we do every week, and that is with the Mosh News. Download Australia, which is coming to Sydney and Melbourne in March next year, has announced another batch of bands for the lineup. They have added Sum 41, Pennywise, Thy Art is Murder, Polaris, 12 Foot Ninja, Slaves, and Voyager. So this adds to the lineup that includes Anthrax, Slayer, Behemoth, Ozzy Osbourne. And for a second lineup, I think we were actually expecting a lot more. It's not really that exciting. There is some decent stuff there. Of course, Thy Aunt and Polaris and 12 Foot Ninja. But apart from that, feels a bit lackluster. But I guess it's more bands on an already stacked lineup. So it just helps create the day even better. I think there's something there for everyone. There already is on the lineup as well. So, of course, tickets are on sale now. If you want to get to the Melbourne one or if you want to get to the Sydney one, make sure you get a ticket. They haven't sold out, so make sure you get one now. If you want to get a ticket, you can get one at downloadfestival.com.au. Make sure you scope all those details out. The Fever 333 this week announced their debut album will be called Strength in Numbers and it will be getting released January 18th on Roadrunner Records. To coincide with this news, the band also released a brand new song called Burn It. So Fever 333 is, I don't know, it's a bit weird. It's it's kind of post-hardcore, kind of new metal, kind of rap rock, a bit of everything. Song-wise, Burn It, it's okay. It didn't really do much for me, but I am actually excited to hear this album. I'm excited to see where this band goes on a full length. So the band is Fever 333. The album is Strength in Numbers. The new song is called Burn It. Make sure you scope all of that out. Speaking of Roadrunner, they have signed and announced the signing of Angel Dust. Angel Dust is a band that comprises of members of Trapped Under Ice and Turnstile. They have joined forces, and to coincide with the news, Angel Dust released two new songs. Those songs are called Big Ass Love and Take Away the Pain. Angel Dust are one of these bands that have already got two albums under their belt and a couple of seven inches and double singles and things like this. Angel Dust are really good. If people are into Turnstile and these kind of bands that are now being very popular and getting a lot of attention, they definitely will get into Angel Dust. So signing to Roadrunner, I think, is a really big step for Angel Dust, but also a really smart signing by Roadrunner. These two new songs, really enjoyed it. Really funky, really hardcore, really punk really exciting and hopefully this joining with Roadrunner will mean this band push on and hopefully we get new music soon. 
So the band is Angel Dust, linked up with Roadrunner, and their two new songs are called Big Ass Love and Take Away the Pain. Make sure you check that out. Metalcore legends themselves, Unearth, released a new music video this week for their song One With The Sun. That comes off their upcoming album Extinctions, which gets released next week. Adelaide new metalcore band 2319 released a new track called Headcase that comes off their newly released double single called Two More Reasons to Hate Us. Vane unleashed a new music video for their track Demise Automation that comes off their album that was released this year called Aerozone. If you haven't heard our review, make sure you go back into the episodes and cop that. Really good album, really exciting album, and one of our favourites this year. Architects released another music video. I believe it's the fourth one they've released from their new album that came out last week called Holy Hell. The song that they released is called Death Is Not Defeat. Make sure you check that out. Progressive metalcore band... Diamond Construct have signed and joined Grayscale Records. To coincide, they released a brand new song and music video called Submerged. Really exciting band, Diamond Construct. They kind of appeared out of nowhere a couple of years ago with their debut EP. Made a few waves and then they kind of ducked off for a while. It's exciting to see them back with a really good energetic song and also linking up with a really good Australian label. So hopefully with this, we'll see Diamond Construct push out, grow more, and hopefully this signing will also mean a new album. So that's Diamond Construct. Make sure you check all of that out. And last bit of mosh news this week, Adelaide band Mavis have unleashed an absolute stormer, absolute stinking, ferocious song called Antipathy. Now, these guys have got an EP under their belt. This song will come off a split release, and we really, really recommend you check this one out. This band are going places and should be going places and should be on your fucking radar. Really exciting band, really great song. Just straightforward, breakneck mosh. Really good to hear and really good to see another Aussie band stepping up to the plate. So the band's called Mavis. The song's called Antipathy. Make sure you check all of that out. So that's it for the mosh news. That segment is done for this week. Now, guys, anything we talk about in this segment, the Mosh News segment, you can find all of these on our website and social medias. So all of the artwork, all of the new songs, all the new music videos, all the tour information, all the pre-order links you can find on our website and social medias. So our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are all at... The Mosh Zone, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure you get online, like, and follow us on social medias, and make sure you're subscribing to that website. We help you stay in the loop with all the latest Mosh news and Mosh information. It's now time for Mosh Reviews. 
First album up for review this week is the new album by Shapes titled Greater Than, out now on Spine Farm Records. So first things first, this is Shapes' sophomore album, and this album clocks in at 12 tracks. When talking about this band, one thing I have to mention, and you kind of need to know whether it's important to you or not, is the singer Griffin is one of the sons of Iron Maiden legend Bruce Dickinson. So that's just a little bit of tidbit of information for you. So Griffin certainly has pedigree and certainly has the chops as you go into this album and the more you listen to it. This band, Shapes, started out as kind of an alt-rock, new-metal rock band, Now, the band are trying to have a go at a bit of everything. Now, while that sounds okay, and while that sounds like, hey, it's good they're having a go, unfortunately on this album, you find a band who are struggling to know their identity. Really feels like they're struggling to know what they want to do. They toil with a lot of cliches, not only in progressive metalcore, but also new metal, There's electronics. There's even some hip-hop rap moments. It is matured musically from their last album, but then there's some big letdowns. One, unfortunately, is the lyrics. A lot of the lyrics come across very cringeworthy, and a lot of them sound like a 13-year-old who's just hit puberty has decided to write some lyrics. Really immature, really unnecessary. Because there's so many different styles going on and not really sure on identity, some songs unfortunately feel like missteps. They feel like rushed decisions. They feel like they've just done them for the sake of doing them. With every upside on this album is those downsides. Overall, this album is just pretty subpar. There's nothing outstanding there's nothing over the top amazing and I hate to say that because I think this band has a lot of potential hopefully on their next album they will find their identity hopefully on the next album the lyrics will mature alongside where the music is going this is for fans of let live this is for fans of bullet for my valentine periphery this album I am talking about is greater than It is by Shapes. It is out now on Spine Farm Records. And we do give it a 4 out of 10. Next up for review this week is the debut EP by Deadweight80 titled Filth and Two Sugars. Out now independently. First things first, this is, as I said, the band's debut EP. It's four tracks long. Clocks in at just over 10 minutes, and these guys are a five-piece from Melbourne, Australia. Really excited by this band because finally it feels like we have an Australian hardcore punk, crusty hardcore band that we can champion. This band and this release is raw, dirty, frenetic, chaotic. It's on a knife-edge sounding music. With this release, you can clearly tell the band has taken their time to hone and craft not only their style, but their songs. There's a lot of attention to detail that goes on here. They haven't rushed this. They haven't half-assed this at all. It's really well worked out. Now, while I say it's frenetic and chaotic, what I mean by that is sometimes it sounds like everything might fall apart, like the drummer might suddenly lose his stick 
The bass player might play the wrong note, but that doesn't happen. What you've got, with all this chaoticness, you still have a band sounding very tight, as thick as fucking thieves. These guys work as a unit, and it's really good to see that a band can do this, and it translates into their recording. Now, speaking of the recording, they did get Roman of the Red Shore fame and Boris the Blade. He's very well known for his production abilities, and he's really found a way to make this band sound big, but he hasn't taken away any of the rawness that this band need. Another thing you can tell on this EP is Deadweight 80 sound like they're having fun and they truly love what they do. That's great. It's not forced. It's not fake and it's not posed. And that's pretty rare nowadays also to hear a band that aren't trying to just do something for the sake of doing it. Sound-wise, what have you got with these guys? Well, there was a few bands that popped into my head upon listening to it a few times and that's things like Every Time I Die, Dillinger Escape Plan, Poison the Well, Cancer Bats. It's like all of these bands are having an all-night rager and it's a party that we get to attend and we're having a great time while there. While the sound that they do is not exactly revolutionary and unheard, it doesn't feel rehashed with Deadweight 80. They have found a way to still make it sound fresh. It is familiar, yet not. You've got all the thumping drums, big, energized, insane drum fills. The skins on those drums feel like they're about to break at any moment. Big, rumbling bass Guitars that have bite and edge, they have an ability to sway from chaotic and melodic to chunky, and the vocals bark and gnaw at you for your attention. Deadweight 80 are a band that should be on your know and watch list. They are a band you need to be paying attention to. They are only just doing their first live appearance. So this band are very fresh, very new on the scene. So now is the time to get behind a band like this, give them the push, show them the support. And if you're like me, you like to discover a band before it blows up big, this is the band that you need to get behind before they blow up big. I am really excited and can't wait to see and hear where this band go next. I do know we're going to have a full length, maybe sometime next year. Can't fucking wait. Really exciting band, really exciting sound with a very exciting future. Make sure you check out this EP. You will not be fucking disappointed. This is for fans of Every Time I Die, Dillinger Escape Plan, Cancer Bats, Poison the Well. The release I am talking about is Filth and Two Sugars. It is by Deadweight80. It is out now independently, and we do give it an 8.5 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is the new album by King9 called Death Rattle, out now on Closed Casket Activities. King9 have been around since 2012, and their last release called Scared to Death in 2013, made a lot of waves. It was very much a breakthrough release. Now, that means this is their first album in five years. So there's been a lot of waiting, a lot of anticipation in the hardcore scene for this album. On this album, you can hear a band with a hardened maturity after years of being on the grind. 
a band that are really continuing to crush to bring forward their straight-to-the-throat New York hardcore. The band declare war on the listener and the world around them from the offset. There is a fierce energy going on and you can't deny it. The lyrics have an ability to display the dismal environment and society we currently live in. The music, the lyrics, the production, it's dark, bleak, hard and fucking amazing. Musically, as I said earlier with New York Hardcore, it is that. It follows the New York Hardcore blueprint, but it remains fresh and exciting to hear. It's hard as nails, high octane, frenetic, groovy as hell, hostile and pit ready. This album should be at the top of everyone's must-listen, must-own list if you like your hardcore. If you like your hardcore the way hardcore should be, this should be right up the fucking top. King 9 took five years to create and carve out this powerful, impactful hardcore album and it needs everyone's attention. Let's just hope and pray we don't have to wait five more years for another fucking album. This is outstanding. This is for fans of Madball, One King Down, Terror, Trapped Under Ice, Colder's Life. The album I am talking about is Death Rattle. It is by King Nine. It is out now on Closed Casket Activities. And we do give it a 9 out of 10. So that's it for the Mosh Reviews done and dusted for this week. What did you think of our reviews? Do you agree? Do you disagree? Get in touch. Let us know. Is there something come out that we might have missed and you think we should review? Is there something on the horizon that you want us to review? Get in touch. Let us know. Are you in a band? Have you got an EP or an album on the way and you want it reviewed on the show? Get in touch. Let us know. So if you want to get in touch, there are a few ways you can. One of the easy ways is through email. You can send us an email to themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Or you can get in touch through the social medias. All of those are at The Mosh Zone. And you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get in touch. Help us grow this Mosh Zone community. It's that time of the show. It's that time of the week. It's time for our Mosh interview. This week, I got to sit down with an absolute fucking legend in the metal, metalcore game. And that is Mark of Chimera. As a massive long-time fan of the band, it was a big fanboy moment for me. And thank you so much, Mark, for taking time out for me and the show. Really in-depth, exciting chat, not only about his music and his upbringing, but about what he's up to now and his struggles with mental illness over the years. Thank you so much, Mark. I really, really appreciate you taking time out for me in the show. And I'm really glad we got to get this on tape. That chat with Mark is coming up now. Do you remember the band or the artist that kind of helped you realize that music was a thing? Was there a band in particular that 
you heard and you went, oh, what's this? And then suddenly music played a big part in your life. Well, there, there's several um, different phases for that, of course. So, so when I was really young, we're talking like infant toddler ages. I, I was a big country fan. My father played country music, so I got to experience some of the bigger artists of that genre and, and even meet some of those uh, people like Merle Haggard and he played with the Grand Old Opry. And then uh, I wound up getting into pop music in the 80s. I really was big into Michael Jackson and I would like try to emulate his music and his look. I had the uh, thriller jacket with all the zippers <laughs> on it. And it was the beat it that was a beat it jacket. And uh, but for metal, you know, which is more the reason why we're all chatting right now is uh, definitely it was Slayer. I was eight years old and I heard Angel of Death and it was particularly the bridge riff that got me the uh, little breakdown halftime feel. And uh, yeah, I was big into that. So what that about, was kind of one of those moments. What about Slayer really drew you in? Because eight years old is a really young age to discover a band like Slayer. Um was it just the passion and the energy or was it the aggressiveness of it? What about it really made you stand up and go, fuck yeah, this heavy music. Well, I was lucky that my, my neighbor's older brother was kind of one of those traditional heavy metal types, uh, especially in the eighties. So jean jacket, mullet, <laughs> Iron Maiden back patch, looked like Todd from Beavis and Butthead kind of thing. And, uh, so he had all these cassette tapes that he would play for us and that's how I was able to, you know, just hanging out in, in the bedrooms or whatever, your kid. Um, but it was, I think it was like this dark tone to it. So I had come from kind of like a religious school and, uh, there was some of that like church music is pretty dark and ominous and it kind of hits you in this inexplainable way. And I think Slayer did the same, like right when that, how they would do those like sinister harmonies and stuff. It just kind of sounded per perhaps the opposite of a church effect, but still the same, uh, <laughs> the same mechanism in the, in the soul. It just speaks to you. So did you then become like, did you then start, you know, recognizing yourself as an alternative kid or a metalhead? Like, were you then at school, you know, kind of saying, I'm a metalhead? Because a lot of kids at school, some people use it as an identification in their upbringing. Some people don't. What were you like? I don't know if I knew the term for it back then, but I definitely associated with those, uh, that crowd, like the, long hairs <laughs> i didn't really have long hair because i have naturally curly hair so i grow out and up <laughs> instead of <laughs> long and down so um but yeah i i definitely associated with those types and then more in the high school i got into like hardcore scene and and i probably identified more as a hardcore like skater kid and uh there was probably a dozen of us in the entire school that I kind of follow that so mentality. You, we all still liked metal as well. So you were at a church school 
And this, I'm sorry, in grade school, but by high school, I was at public. Oh, okay. So, you know, what was the family's reaction to, you know, suddenly their boy listening to satanic, aggressive music <laughs> in the household? Was it accepted? That or? wasn't the problem. It was, I think, the, I think the only time my mom ever gave me shit was when I was in, I was in sixth grade. I was about 12 years old listening to stuff like NWA and Two Live Crew. And this is the height of the PMRC and all these warnings and lawsuits. And it's all over the news. And of course, my mom comes and looks at my tape collection. I have all the tapes they're talking about on the news. She threw them away. And then uh, I remember the next, like, a couple days later, I went through the trash and I got them and I hit them all in my vent. (laughs) (laughs) So was, was music a thing in the household? Like was music played often in the household? Because when did you decide that music was your path of a career you wanted? It definitely was early on. And, um, I think that by high school and starting to experience what it was like to play in bands and play on stage uh, I, I was doing that as early as i want to say ninth or tenth grade so um that kind of gave me tunnel vision for it and i knew that i had to have a job uh so i, I wound up learning a, a trade which was culinary arts and that way that that kind of supplemented my need to buy gear and you know buy buy equipment i started off as a drummer then i moved to guitar and then my friends kind of convinced me to get on the microphone when we fired our singer in our hardcore band and the next thing you know i was singing for the next 20 years (laughs) (laughs) so you started drums now why drums uh was the instrument of choice was it an influence of another drummer or it was just that was the natural instrument you started Wow, that's a good question. I, I don't think I really remember. The first thing that comes to my mind is um, when I was younger, my aunt, one of my aunts owned a music store and she just sent me a snare drum. Oh. And it was like, oh, I guess I'll learn how to play this or use this. And it kind of, kind of sat around and then I got into it and learned like the basic things, but then I wanted a full kit. So... And I, I got that, and I used to love playing like metal and and classic rock as well, especially Led Zeppelin. I really like John Bonham's feel. And uh, once I got more and more into Led Zeppelin and playing that like crazy, I, I wanted to start doing the same. Like the guitar stuff started interesting me as well, so I wanted to buy like especially the the, the noise side of Jimmy Page, like the with the Echoplex and. Then I bought a theremin because of him, and I used I wound up using a theremin with Chimera. So a lot of that's influenced from being young and liking Led Zeppelin in my teen years and junior high, basically playing uh, playing along to that stuff all the time and listening to it. Now you mentioned in there that uh, quite a few people know, but you were in bands before Chimera started, sure. and Chimera mm-hmm. was kind of the you know a couple of bands basically coming together in a way. Um, what was it like for you starting out in those first few bands? Were, was it just having fun and experiencing it? Um, you know, was there any real push for those bands to be something in the early years? Yeah, I think we took it pretty serious. Um, 
And that's, again, because of what our surroundings were. Like Jim from our band, our bass player, he was he was in a metal band, and I used to go and watch them play. And they had cassette tapes, and they had merchandise, and they would play shows and with roadies. And it all seemed extremely professional to me. So I thought that's pretty much what had it had to, you know, that was like the protocol. So when we started hardcore bands, we would look at the bands that we would either go see or maybe play with. Oh, yeah, they have seven inch records. We should do that. Or they have basketball jerseys. We should do that. So it was kind of a lot of like just being influenced by our surroundings and, and what other people did. Uh, so we would like kind of learn the ropes that way and put our own spin on it. How was the Ohio scene in those early years? Was it a thriving scene? Yeah, we we had one of the one of the best for a long time. First off, we had a great band from here named Integrity, mm-hmm. and they pretty much invented um, uh, like the, the precursor to our type of our type of sound in many ways. Um, but we also had a lot of concerts come through and we had a thriving scene in that way, whether it was mainstream metal, like a Metallica coming through, you know, we had either the outdoor or indoor locations for them to play, you know, up to 20,000 seaters. Or I remember going to see like Corn and Megadeth and it's kind of slightly more, not as mainstream, but more like the four or 5,000 seat venue. And then you, you could go see Ringworm play a matinee for in front of 20 people and another 15 other hardcore bands, all in, you know, in the same kind of two-month span. And we everyone came through. So I was really lucky. I saw Pantera before they got into the arenas and um, Nine Inch Nails before they were doing arenas. They were from here as well. So we, we had a few bands that were uh, – inspirational you could see like hardcore bands that made it to a regional or even international status we had uh metal bands uh that were doing really well especially on a local scene like mushroom head um and then we had bands that went national we had uh the singer tool was from ravenna manson was from here um lived here for a while nine inch nails are from here filter um, so we could see like many different levels of what it was possible in our area. You know, if we were in maybe a different state that didn't have such a thriving scene, then our, my surroundings wouldn't be the same. They wouldn't mm. be like, oh, oh, well, we could get on that show. You know, there wouldn't probably wouldn't be a show to get on. So our first show was with Napalm Death, you know, Chimera. Oh. So that's like... <laughs> pretty sweet and it was one of those things like sell tickets and get on yeah no problem you know we were still some of us were still just fresh out of high school so we were able to pull the you know back in the when you're when you're in high school you still are hanging out with a click and in your own right so if you have five guys that are still young enough you're going to be able to pull 150 Mm -hmm. kids the promoter no problem so a lot of those a lot of those bands you mention and by the sounds of things a lot of people always say, and you guys have said in a few of your DVDs, that it's um, there's something in the water there. Um, it's <laughs> it's um, it's dark, and you know, it's oh, the phrase "miserable" is probably not the right one, but you know what I mean. Like it's dark and cold. It can't be. And, yeah. Well, you know, do do you think that also is a helping thing? Is that 
the environment you're seeing around you is creating this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, man, when I hear like a Nine Inch Nails record, especially the earlier stuff, when you're driving around in Cleveland, like, especially like right around this time at fall or something, or maybe early signs of winter, it's just, man, it just seems like the perfect soundtrack. And uh, so a lot of those like industrial sounds, we are living in an industrial town. So that's a big reason why we would have samples and the kind of subtextures we put in our music uh, was definitely to emulate that. And, um, but yeah, the, it, it, our winters are pretty grueling. So it's, it's a, it's just a big, great way to vent what, how you're feeling, I suppose. <laughs> now you mentioned, you know, and as everyone knows, you became vocalist of Chimera. So what was the transition like from you from being behind an instrument and hiding away on a part of stage to suddenly being up the front? You're, whether people like to say it or not, the vocalist is the focal point. You know, everyone looks at you first. Um, now, how was that transition for you? Was it quite nerve-wracking or did you just take it on? Yeah, I don't think it was a natural thing for me. I preferred hiding behind the instrument and I'm kind of an introvert. So I don't think I really started to find myself until the impossibility of reason era. So like say 2003, and I'd probably been on stage as a front man since 95-ish. Mm-hmm. So took almost 10 years and a whole bunch of shows to start actually getting kind of a groove. And I don't think like I really grasped it until i was in like in the in this decade you know in the past five to ten years i could really like oh i got this i could do it with my eyes closed kind of thing versus <laughs> 20 years ago it was pretty nerve-wracking now back anyone that's seen your doco i'm kind of jumping forward to come back anyone that's seen your doco you said in it um that you kind of think you had these issues with you for a long time that you kind of, but you weren't quite sure what they were. Were any of those issues um, playing into effect with being a frontman? Was at the start, was any of those come about from being a frontman? Um, no, I don't think so. I think that it, the the only time where that really plays into the equation is if maybe if you're searching for you're hoping like maybe you're in a bad mood or in a low for during the day and you're really hoping for the show to take you out of it. And it doesn't, um, you could have a lot of technical problems on the stage that maybe they start off, uh, where you're tolerating it, but by the, by the 30 minute mark and it's still just a a nightmare up there. Perhaps with someone with my symptoms, I'm experiencing it a little bit more heightened and I might be a little more irrational, especially mm-hmm. in a zone like that when you're, you know, trying to be, uh, trying to be in the moment and in a zone, you know, you're not, it's like, uh, you ever hear Christian Bale that when he's doing he's filming Terminator and he's in the zone <laughs> and he starts freaking out, like that's what it feels like mm-hmm. uh, if things aren't going smoothly on stage and you know sometimes you can like handle it fairly professional and then sometimes it's just man you gotta 
you got to lay into the guy because they're not being professional, whoever's causing the problem. <laughs> <laughs> now, with your vocals at the start, was there any, you know, trial and error basis finding your voice? Like, did you, and what I mean by this is a lot of people when they start out being a vocalist um, in any style, they have an influence. So they say, I really want to sound like this mm. guy. Um, so were you aiming to sound like someone without, you know, replicating it? Um, and then also the second part of this question is, did you struggle with your voice? Like, were you losing your voice? Were you not happy with your voice? I mean, what was it like for you finding your identity? For screaming, I didn't really have that type of inner dialogue. I just kind of went for it and people instantly gave me positive feedback and there was never like a talk or a mention of like, oh, you sound like so-and-so. Mm -hmm. So for, for screaming, it was pretty much like that. When it came to the melodic stuff, there's very few um, melodic singers that I, I feel I could kind of even sound like. So when it came to finding parts for me to do to sing that would be melodic it, it was always in that alice in chains vibe and that was a huge inspiration but i i just liked the the harmonies they did and those, that's again they're almost like slayer harmonies in a, in, a, in a in a way and those thirds and fifths and they're, they're just really cool sounding and um so and at times, like pictures in the gold room, like I'm literally trying to rip off lanes daily. There's just no doubt about it. Uh, it's like, and I don't care. I was like shameless about it. It's like, whatever. Who, who's he emulating? Um, so, but yeah, but, but then eventually I had to like come into my own and learn. But in the beginning stages of like exploring like melodic vocals, because I wasn't a, a screaming just was like, bark and come up with cool patterns um but melodic stuff was it took a lot longer to find a my own voice and not just try to sound like alice in chains now one thing you mentioned there earlier was you know when impossibility of reason came out you guys had kind of been going for a long time already really and you mm -hmm. had been grinding at it you'd already had an ep and a demo and an, a first album, album. um yeah. But for a lot of people that weren't paying attention to you, they would have thought you guys blew up out of nowhere with that album. And you guys became a pretty much a household name. Um, everyone kind of knew who Chimera was. Was that probably a very exciting and nerve-wracking time for you guys because now all the eyes are on you? Hmm. I don't think we paid attention to it. I think we were just so focused on climbing up on the ladder. You don't mm -hmm. even realize that sort of thing. And then I think we're such pessimists that we don't ever realize that we were successful. I mean, now we have to like, oh, yeah, look at that, you know, but mm -hmm. it's, it's documented. That's <laughs> 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 pretty, it's pretty epic. <laughs> But yeah, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit and it's, it's as if we're not realizing it as it's happening. Um, now you went, the band went for a while as the lineup and you had also, which has been documented in DVDs and other talks, you had some really weird issues with Roadrunner for a while. You then got onto Nuclear Blast. Then I don't want to talk about the issues when members left and all of this jazz, but when did you know that 
Chimera was, as it was, going to be put to rest? Do you remember the moment for you? Was there a moment or was it just kind of like, I think we need to just step away now? Yeah, no, definitely for me, it was, I actually talk about it in the documentary down again. I, it was on tour and our very last tour in 2014. I just, I thought if anything, we would finish out our obligations and then put it on hiatus. But, uh, we woke up to an email that Amel left the band and we're like, Oh, I guess that's not, we're not fulfilling our obligations. All right then. So yeah. Now I mean, it would have been too much of a pain in the ass to try to pull it, pull it together. How did that all did, feel for you? you? Had to feel a bit bittersweet because this was kind of like, you know, you've been there since the start. It's kind of like your baby. And you know, there's, there's always going to be a, a feel of, you know, probably disappointment that it's had to come to an end like it was. I mean, did you spend a yeah, while? Oh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for how it ended um, at all. But the at the same time, had it ended, it had to end that way for us to be able to kind of come full circle and get back on stage and, and give it a better ending. Uh, um, so that. You definitely don't like how things like it like that. It's like you you are very much in a relationship with all these people, not just business, but friendships. And and in a weird way, it's like having multiple divorces all at once. I mean, and one divorce is stressful enough. So when you're having multiple, it can get pretty grueling. So uh, healing from that, you know, takes time. But um, the the way it had ended in 2014 was was not the way you know, would have been a hopeful ending. Um, I'd much rather have put it on hiatus and then been like kind of regroup versus like, I fell apart. See you later. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that kind of sucked. You, you've got a, how's it been since then? I mean, do you get inundated with, you know, constant, Oh, when, when's, when's the band going to get back together? Are you going to do another album? Are you, you know, because for the documentary down again, there is a bit of the, you know, get back together Christmas show that you guys did in 2017. But, you know, after it it went away, was there constant barrage of messages? Oh, yeah, we, we get them daily. It's on our <laughs> Facebook or social media or whatever. And that's a good thing. I mean, I would mm. be very bummed if it wasn't there, but we just don't have any plans to comply mm. with that at this time. But happy that we're all speaking and, and open to the ideas, but we just, we, we keep getting uh, hot and cold with it. You know, one minute we'll be excited to want to maybe pursue some ideas and then a week will go by and it's like, eh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of truth, but it's, it's where we're at. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's life. Life moves forward and moves on. Um, and yep. one thing that you did, um, that you still do now, um, before we get to the documentary, is photography. You found photography and you do do that. Now, how did you start to pick up a camera? Was it by mistake? Was it through a phone that you took a couple of photos and you're like, eh, I think I can fucking do this. I might give this a go. <laughs> a few things. And it's both kind of what you said. Um uh, first off, I'm a huge movie fan, and and I like the type of movies that 
tell the majority of the story through images and kind of minimal dialogue. Uh, an example would be like Conan the Barbarian. I don't think he says anything for the first <laughs> half hour, um, 2001, stuff like that. But it's just awesome images. And, and, and But we were filming a documentary uh, for Crown of Phantoms, and we had three cameras, two camera guys. So I just picked up and started helping shoot. And I was just messing around, taking some photos, getting positive feedback. And the director of uh, that movie was, uh, or documentary, was selling his Canon that we, I was playing around with. And he's like, hey, you should buy it. And it's like, you got a good eye. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I've always wanted a professional camera. So I bought it and then sat in my closet for two, <laughs> two years. <laughs> And, uh, but I was messing around with Instagram and I was like, wow, I really like how it's kind of forcing a composition through, through this and, uh, these, this kind of like this square look. And I thought that was interesting. And I just started noticing, well, I'm like, I'm kind of a brand. I need to have better quality photos. I don't want to just like put up just shit, you know, like, (laughs) so then I started getting interested in like i'm like i you know i like the way images look i should try to try to do that as best as i can and then um i was hanging out with uh, a couple of my photographer friends and one of them was alex morgan who's a professional photographer and he and i just did a photo shoot of of me and i'm just watching his thing and i'm like well i'm picking all the backgrounds i'm kind of coming up with the ideas i'm like i'm kind of doing the the photography stuff too here because i knew cleveland he didn't know it so uh like the only difference is, is I'm not behind a lens. Well, so I just kept, I just started and then immersed myself into it, found YouTube channels. I liked to uh, learn instructional videos on the technical side, editing side. And then of course, just immersing yourself, going out and doing it and spending mornings, afternoons, whatever free time I had. Um, as soon as the band ended, I was like, I'm going to, drive for uber they were a brand new company in our town and they were slow enough where i would like drive from one area to another and i would just utilize like two hours sitting there like shooting and then i'd get another fare and so i could kind of make a little money and but i'd spend a lot more time shooting but it would give me an excuse to go out to areas of the town i i didn't know and i also had to like relearn the town um, cause even though I'm from Cleveland, we're always on tour. So I didn't, I didn't really know it. And after about four months of like Uber actually starting to get busy, I decided, well, I can't do both. So I don't, I definitely don't want to be an Uber driver. So I <laughs> quit that and then, uh, just tried to get as much, many photography gigs as I could. So I found like there's, I, you guys have it over there, Thumbtack, where you can like hire local professionals. Oh, we have it over here and. You kind of just get bid on, and it's it's shit rates, you know. You'll, hey, come do my my kid's birthday party for three hundred dollars, and if you were charging photography rates, you'd probably be about closer to nine hundred, <laughs> something <laughs> like that, for the amount of time you're there and spending on it. But you take it, and you know, get whatever you can, and it's the experience, and and I was okay with being like a broke, starving artist at the beginning because it just kept me hungry and kept me focused. And no, I'm not going to go take a job because if I work 10 hours, I'm not going to be interested in the photography. And so, uh, and I definitely didn't want to like start another band. You know, like, why? 
just it was just too much so had to do something different but had to keep it in the in the creative field and how are you how are you feeling with your photography now because it's been a while you must you have you upgraded your camera as well i mean where where are you sure yeah i've upgraded lots of things and um just just refinished my new website and still still adding elements to it but i was just uh very happy to see that we've worked with a lot of great clients already and uh on the commercial side of things we've we've stayed busy we've helped a lot of businesses around uh our area and so it's been fun uh and now we're getting into a little bit more videography and I can definitely see an improvement. I'm working with a wedding hall, for example, and I spent my day-to-day creating an ad for them, and I was pulling up images I shot for them in 2016, and I'm like, whoa, these are so dark, and uh, just don't look, they don't pop like what I understand how to do now. And so, yeah, I'm seeing like improvements and things like that. But yeah, I've always considered it a... a with photography, I'd be in the trenches for like 10 years at least, you know, just learning and making mistakes and uh, taking great gigs, taking shit gigs, you know, anything and everything between. So you've always had that artistic eye, like, that's been able to translate behind a lens, so. I guess so, yeah, and I was the guy in the band, too, that would work with the photographers, hired the photographers, like, we used to get, like, you know, uh, 150 pictures to per- choose from. I have to pick 10. I was the guy that picked the images that went to all the magazines and everything and worked with the directors and came up with a lot of our treatments for ideas and uh, for video concepts and stuff. So I've kind of been that visual person in the band. Um, whereas like Chris and our band has been more on the merchandise web, uh, our, you know, CD art, um, I'm more the photo video guy that that, that did that stuff. So, I mean, uh, probably a bit of a hindsight is, in a way, it was a blessing that things went the way they did because you've discovered a whole new career and a whole new path that maybe you never would have found. Sure, yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't like how things might, mm. might not look the way things end, but at the same time, you can't dwell on that. you got to look at what has happened and... We, where we are all at now is in a really good place. Mm. Now, let's talk about this. I mean, some people are calling it a short film. Some people are calling it a documentary. Um, Down Again. Um, now, it's online now. It's been out for a while. If Anyone listening, if you haven't watched it, you know, just it's 20 minutes. You need to take some time out have a watch. It's really good. Now, I've heard you already talk about it, but for anyone listening... Um, that doesn't know, how did the connection come up for doing the documentary Down Again? Yeah, I met the director, Nick Cavalier, on a panel for a festival called Acting Out in Cleveland. It's put on by world-renowned artist Derek Hess. And the festival was a way to raise suicide and addiction awareness. And we talked about both Nick and I have hypomania, and we talked in the live panel uh, that was moderated by Dr. Patrick Runnels, and we just talked about how we used used it for creativity, how it helped us, how it hindered us, and answered questions from people in the crowd. And then, um, <clears throat> excuse me, about a week or so later, 
Nick uh, and I went out for a burger and a beer, and he's like, hey, we should turn that into a movie. I was like, sure. <laughs> like, if I was a little weirded out at first because, <clears throat> you know, it's, I, I'm not one of those types that's like, I want to be the main focus of a documentary on mental health. That just sounds like something I want to do when I w- wake up and think about. But uh, so, uh, but I was immediately thought, whoa, we can get all that Christmas show footage shot and filmed. That, that's going to be awesome. And we were actually looking for that. So it was like immediately I said yes. But p- part of me was apprehensive because we're used to seeing movies or TV shows that are dealing with the really dark sides, kind of like an intervention uh, the dude's like sniffing white out all night and, you know, climbing from the walls or, uh, you're maybe seeing the opposite where they've already gone through. And I was kind of like this person in the middle where just not either. So, you know, you're just seeing how I'm getting by day to day, but I have had really dark moments and I'd like to get past a certain finish line. So, uh, once that became clear that we don't really see too many stories about, the phases of recovery i thought it was a unique opportunity now were you were you at all nervous um about exposing yourself because you said you're an introvert so in a way this is revealing a lot of personal stuff you're you're admitting you know hey i've i've had issues and i go through issues i mean was there any nervousness about admitting all this on on camera because you can't take it back once it's out, yeah. out there. Uh, not so much, just because we've been making documentaries with the band for, for so long, and the whole part of it was that you just got to be yourself and talk about whatever, whenever. So um, we just never really, you know, we touched on some of the darker issues in our older DVDs, but we never really went as deep with this type of subject matter. But just from being... Um, around a camera so much, it was it was a little bit more natural. And I think that I'm such a big fan of podcasts and and documentaries that you know you're if if they're to help, they have to be candid. So, mm. um, yeah, I didn't really have any kind of apprehension like that. I was I was I was full guns blazing. Now you call it hypomania. Um, you've got the diagnosis now, um, and you've said in the doco and also earlier that you were misdiagnosed. Um, was it a big process to get to the proper diagnosis, and was it one person in particular that kind of went, you know what, hey, dude, I don't, I don't think it's depression and anxiety. I really think it's something else. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. My family doctor noticed it at uh, one of my... Uh, I was actually with my mom and one of her appointments and I just started spouting off at a million miles an hour. And, uh, he's like, Oh shit, dude, you have hypomania. And, uh, so that's, we had been treating depression and I didn't realize that hypomania was these racing thoughts, pressured speech, a lot of drive and focus. I'd never considered that like symptoms of anything. Like I just thought that was just who I was and what, what made me tick, and then, um, but yeah, it can get like really ramped. And then, uh, I would just focus on the lows though. Like, man, like, you know, I'm having, I'm in a funk for like a week and what's wrong with me, you know? So, 
uh, we we didn't know there was the yin yang to it. We just we were focusing on the black, not the white. So eventually, um, that doctor moved, and I I got a different doctor, and I mentioned that my previous doctor had suspected it. So we went and tested it, and then yeah, he was right. So was there a big change in? You know, were you on medication for depression? I mean, did you have to switch a lot of things up? Did you have to yeah, change? We, yeah, we had tried different medications all through the years, and some would work for a little while, and they wouldn't. Some would make me feel worse. Some would make mm. me think that aliens were feeding me lyrics. Like <laughs> We kind of hit all spectrums, you know. We're like, whoa, that's not working. To, uh, <laughs> eh, eh. But, yeah, I find that like just a, like a low-grade dose of uh, – a mild antidepressant uh, kind of just keeps me at bay. And it's pretty noticeable if I miss it in the morning, like by like this time at night, if I would have missed it, I can get pretty, like I start to get ramped up and irritable. Mm -hmm. And my uh, girlfriend knows immediately, like, hey, you <laughs> forgot to take your pill. <laughs> oh, shit, okay, you're right. I start sweating a lot, and I'm like, I, I could work on a project and not come up for air for 12 hours, you know. So, I mean, so, how long did, were you – it was obviously through the band you were saying that you were having the depression going on and you knew sure. it was going on. Um, how were you handling it while in the band? Because there is, as you said, sparks in the <coughs> DVDs, but were you taking medication? Were you keeping yourself isolated at times? How were you dealing with it, being around you know, <coughs> four or five me, other people every day of the week? Because anyone that knows it, like me, with my – what I thought was depression, I need to sometimes isolate myself to better myself. Yeah. Absolutely. I do that quite a bit. Um, that was like a beauty of being a movie geek is I could, I would bring like DVDs out with me and I would just lay in my bunk and I have a laptop or some of the buses we had, I even had like a little portable TV that would flap down with a DVD player in it. So it was almost like an airplane or something. So, yeah, I would isolate quite a bit or sit in the back lounge with the one other quiet guy in the band. Handles <laughs> <laughs> usually. He, he would just have his face planted into a computer, so it's like you're sitting by yourself. Um, but, yeah, uh, that definitely helped. Um, and then definitely sometimes, though, like medications, and then you're, you're going to get dr drunk with the band, but it's kind of interfering with the medication, and you're like, extra fucked up right mm. and that's not good so um it was a lot of like navigating that sort of thing too like how much can i drink and how if i should even drink and what happens when i do and i just wound up learning like drinking doesn't really work i can have like a a odd drink or a very strong beer and that kind of gives me a nice little buzz i'm a cheap date and then don't <laughs> you don't want me to have any more than that because i'll mm -hmm start getting either pretty manic or I'll get sick. Mm -hmm. And obviously was that affecting, you know, looking back on it, it was obviously would have been very, very troubling on the dynamic of being in a band as well, because were they aware of what was going on? Were you letting them all know? No. Yeah, no, definitely not. I mean, people knew I was on medication, but I didn't learn I was hypomanic until I was out of the band. Mm. It's, it's now, the other question I've got to ask is with this documentary is um, one thing about the issues that you go through or and have been through um, 
the reason I found it so refreshing is because a lot of people still treat all of these mental illnesses as a taboo word. Um, mm. Was any of that a motivation for doing it, is trying to make people aware that things like this exist and that everyone can possibly go through something like this? Yeah, I guess I wasn't really aware. That, I mean, I was and I wasn't, but um, I, didn't, I guess I wasn't aware. Like, I kept see, seeing people say, and Nick Cavalier said as well, like, oh, I was vulnerable to the world by putting it out there. <laughs> so I looked up what this meant, like, very precise definition. And I'm like, you think I'm going to be attacked for this? You know, like, I don't know. Mm. So, like, uh I guess I just, my perception is if someone thought I was weak minded for the things that I'm saying, I was a bring it. Like, I love a good debate. I love a good Uh, fight. Like, I love a good argument. Uh, I'll take you home. Like, let's do it. (laughs) Uh, So I guess I just never felt that way about it. I think that, yeah. And again, I don't think of it as a necessarily a negative thing. Like, yeah, it sucks to not have drive or focus or motivation or feel down or have bad anxiety moments not nobody likes to go through those things um but without talking about them without communicating them how are you supposed to fix them and then if you can't be honest about what exactly is going on then you're you're not going to fix it so uh one of my strengths is uh restoring things and fixing things so i like to take things apart see how they work and then put it back together uh especially if it's broken i like to fix it so it's the same. It applies to me as as well as it, what what's ever in front of me. So if I was uh, building a PC and I wanted a faster you know, graphics, then I got to up my GPU. And okay, so if I want my brain to work faster, I got to do this. I got to do this. You know, so I almost think of it the same kind of way. Now you mentioned there about people. You know what they might say. What has been the feedback? you've had positive and then people are, are happy that that they feel less alone and i and i understand that's that that i could listen to the joe rogan podcast for example and there's been quite a few especially lately since it was mental health awareness month or day whatever you want to call it um there was more more discussion about it and mm-hmm. in the past few and like for someone like me as a listener and that, that has those things, a lot of, a lot of what is said is useful because you're like, Oh yeah, that's a good way to articulate it. And once you can like articulate something or have a different perspective of it, then uh, it's, it's like anything that you're learning. Um, if you were, if you were learning how to, uh, edit a video on Adobe premiere, you know, you're not going to just know, know how to, you're not going to be editing the, something like fight club, and, and changing the game your first day mm. you know you got to learn what a jump cut is and you got to learn what this is and you got to learn how to do transitions and you got to learn how to do adjustment layers i mean there's just millions and millions of, of things so uh you got to kind of apply it to the same way to yourself and but you you, you it if i was trying to edit a video and i said i i, I want to make it do something you're not, you're not, you're not being specific. Whereas if I want, I want to make it, you know, uh, have lightning come in. Okay. All right. Well, you take it into after effects and do it in there. <laughs> There's a solution if you're honest. And so long story short, 
I'm looking at my program right now. That's probably why I'm talking about that stuff. No, no that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, this doco was done. Um, it was very, you know, in some ways I feel like it was maybe too short. I kind of maybe wanted a sure. bit more. Um, is there been any talks about maybe doing another part? Um, yes and no. I think we've mentioned uh, some ideas of it could be cool as like a, a a series or a show or maybe even a longer feature. But I would, for as far as like my story is concerned, I don't know how much more we would want to put to it. But let's say if it was an hour and a half long movie, it would be cool if maybe there were two other artists in there that that maybe had different types of um, uh, mental health situation and then different ways and different types of art in which they dealt with it, I think would be cool. But uh, that's kind of the stuff we've mentioned, uh, but not as far as like, you know, adding another 20 minutes of this story or another hour that that hasn't been mentioned. Now, part of anyone that knows that's watched it or as we've said briefly, there is a bit of the Christmas show in there that's featured. Now, have anyone... Have you noticed are people coming to watch the doco or they're just tuning in just for those snippets of the band? I have no idea about that, but we do have on our website if people want to see because in the in the in the film there's only, you know, segments of the songs whereas if you go to the website there's a little uh, player and if you kind of search around in there you can get the full performances of them. Oh, so they can watch the whole performance. Of the song, yeah, but not the whole show, but just those particular songs. Now, you you had the camera crew around. Are you going to possibly do anything with that footage? I have no idea, but as far as turning it into more more like completed, edited songs, I don't believe so, just because I know they only focused on filming a few. Mm-hmm. So we didn't even film the complete show. We shot it in 4K, and it's, I mean, we played for over an hour and a half, so... I don't want to bore people with the the, the technic, technical side of gigabytes and terabytes, but uh, let's just say it would, it's a it's not an easy task to put all that stuff together or record it all. Um, so I'm just before we wrap things up, I'm just going to say again, anyone down again, um, there's a link on your Instagram, I believe it's it's online, it's on YouTube. Yep. You can simply just type in down again on YouTube, um, and you'll see it. Um, now, Mark, my last segment I do with my chats is called Pick Your Poison. Now, what we do here is I give you two options. Now, some are food-based, some are movie, some are music. You have to pick one. The other one gets wiped out of existence. Mm. Okay? So some are going to be easy, and you're welcome to give a reason why you picked it. Some people choose to. Some okay. people just say, oh, that's it, and then they just want to move on. So okay. we'll start with some food ones. Pizza or burger? I would keep the pizza. Okay. Chicken or beef? I would keep the beef. Okay. Chinese takeaway or Indian takeaway? Chinese takeaway. I can't stand Indian food. <laughs> um, beer or whiskey? I would keep whiskey. Okay. Cooking at home or going to a restaurant? Cooking at home. Okay. Going to the cinema or watching it on the couch? 
<laughs> that that is what I do is watch it on the couch most of the time. I think I go to the cinema once or twice a year. Yeah, it's not affordable nowadays to go to the cinema. Eh, no. it's it's just I I could press pause and go piss <laughs> at home. <laughs> go to the beach or hang out in the snow. Now that's a hard one. That's probably an interesting one for you because of where you live. So yeah, no, I'm definitely going to the beach. I'm sorry, man. I'm a snowbird. <laughs> uh, cat or dog? Dog. Okay, now a couple of movie ones. Terminator or Predator? Fuck. Nah, you're making it difficult now. The next I'm going to go with Predator. Ooh, I'm going to go with Predator. Why Predator? Uh, the first thing that comes to my mind of why is I don't even know what the hell I saw it on, but I heard somebody's, I heard an inner dialogue of someone saying it was like a, the, the complete, like, sci, it was like a complete sci fi five monster film. And like, the way they were describing it was so passionate. Uh, so I'm like ripping off somebody else's opinion there. But yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, Van Damme was in it, he wasn't in Terminator. Van yes. Damme was originally cast as the Predator. And eventually fired and i think that's why it's the most complete film and that's probably why that person said that because van damme's in it. at least i'm gonna say that now <laughs> well it, 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 it is the muscles from brussels and that's actually something that not a lot of people know is that he was going to be the predator in a very weird suit i saw a photo of it right and it looked really and you weird. could have had lance hendrickson or oj as the terminator <laughs> yeah uh, uh, OJ could have been epic. <laughs> that would have been a bit of a weird one that one yeah, I think I've watched the Terminator more though. Ah, the first one or the second one though? First one. Okay. Do you? I, I... love the first. I like the second one. Don't mm. get me wrong, but man. Oh, you just broke up. I there. just love, love the hardcore brutality in the. Oh, did we lock up? Yep. Ah, uh, we're all good now. Oh, hello. There we are. Sorry. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I just love the hardcore brutality of the first one. Okay. Now, next one is James Bond. Or Jason Bourne? I'm going to go Bond. Okay. And the reason being is I, I think I'm the, I've seen most of the movies, so I guess I would just say I'm more of a fan of the Bond. Okay. Rambo or Hope Rocky? I lose you again? No, we're back. Rambo or Rocky? Rambo. Okay. Uh, man, like Rocky doesn't rip dudes' throats out. <laughs> And have you and have you seen the trailer for this? Or not trailer, but the, uh, the the name of this new Rambo movie, Last Blood? Are you kidding me? I, I don't know. Be... I'm a bit I'm a bit nervous because they're showing uh, him wearing a cowboy hat, and I don't know. I'm fully invested. I don't care. He's a rancher in Arizona. I'm fully <laughs> invested. I'm on board. First Blood, Last Blood. Like, how are you going to top that? That how are you going to top the Rambo Four? So I'm he and I know he will. So I'm excited. <laughs> um, you've won me over with that because I was pretty nervous about it, to be honest. Or Rocky. Now, Freddie. What's that? I said I was pretty nervous about the upcoming Rambo until you just said that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go in with a bit of excitement now, and hopefully we'll see something soon about when the movie's coming out. Now, next one's a horror one. Yeah. It's Freddie or Jason. I guess I have to go with Freddy. I mean, I, I like Jason, but 
I'm just going to have to go with an all more rounded character and Freddy would win that. You know, I'm getting, I'm getting some gore, I'm getting some horror and I'm getting some comedy, getting, I'm getting good puns. I'm getting the guy that, you know, it's like, kind of like, likes a Nintendo glove. <laughs> he does, doesn't he? I mean, yeah. Yeah. You know, there's just so much, I mean, Jason's awesome. I think like look wise and like what would actually creep me out more, probably Jason, but if I have to choose one. Okay. Now, would you go Psycho or American Psycho? Hmm. American Psycho, Psycho based on the shower regimen alone. Oh, Just, yes. <laughs> that scene is so funny. And I remember one time walking around in New York City with my buddy, and we like literally went to like every shop to try to get that entire shower. <laughs> you know, I, I still think I have the honey almond body scrub. And we went... And then we went into the book, and like the book is even more detailed yeah. on like it's. I mean, just that stuff. The dialogue in that movie. I don't know if people like realize how funny it is, and like it's supposed to be a comedy. But I I howl laugh when I watch that movie. I do love Psycho though. We just watched it this year. I went back and revisited it just maybe three months ago, and it still stands up, and it's still a great film. Yeah, I I, I give I'm right on board with you there. I think American Psycho is just. It is just stop to finish laughs, and I do think they did they did well to try and uh, cap uh, capitalize on everything in that book because the book is really full on. Like some of that stuff in that book's fucking aggressive, um, right? <laughs> um, all right, next one is MacGyver or Walker Texas Ranger. Uh that's definitely, I thought maybe you were going to ask MacGyver or MacGruber. Uh, <laughs> going to go uh, with Walker, Texas Rangers. Did you, I don't know if you guys ever had Conan. You don't have Conan O'Brien, but he would always have these skits. You know who he is, though. You yeah. have to. But yeah. uh, they, uh, he would always have the Walker, Texas Rangers skits on the show. Yeah, he had just, the eagle or something, didn't he, behind the desk? Yeah, or something, some kind of lever. Yeah, yeah. And they would just play clips, and man, they were just so amazing. And I, I honestly don't know enough about MacGyver. I know more about MacGruber. <laughs> they might make a MacGruber sequel. I, I think I read that not too long ago. Now, last movie one or style of that is Star Wars or Star Trek? I'm a, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. So, I, I mean, I, it's not that I don't like Star Trek. I'm not one of those that like one or the other. In fact, I Vulcaned you. Uh, yes, you did. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, they didn't have a lightsaber one. Otherwise, you would have got that. <laughs> now, one comic book one is, are you a Batman or a Superman? That's a both. That's a tough one to pick because I grew up. I grew up more a Superman guy and I used to like get mad at my mom if she wouldn't call me Clark. Like if I didn't, <laughs> I would either have the Superman shirt and cape on. And if I didn't, then she had to refer to me as Clark. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'd get pissed off if she didn't. Uh, I didn't discover Batman until I was probably, cause there wasn't a movie. Mm. So I didn't really know. And I didn't have comic books when I was younger. So I only knew Superman because of the Christopher Reeve movies and the TV show. And we had, uh, so I think that's why I guess I'll have to go with that. But had Batman been around as, when I was a kid, I, I might have been more inclined to that just because, I mean, that character is so epic. I just don't need the origin story again. No, not again. 
<laughs> no. We might unfortunately get it, though, if there's a new one. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah I know. It's un- oh. unbearable at this point. Oh. Now, a couple of music ones, Slayer or Pantera? I'm going to go with Slayer just because that's what got me here sitting with, with you on the phone, on the Skype, whatever. Uh, Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica, for, without a question. Black Sabbath or Van Halen? Sabbath. Not a Van Halen fan. Really? Not really. Yeah, it's weird. It I like some of the stuff, but overall, like, I, I, I love Sabbath, though. Okay. So. Now, last couple is... Now, this one you can take as now. Would you prefer to be in the mosh pit or would you prefer to be up the back watching? Uh, now, I would be out of the back watching. When I was a kid, I was definitely in the pit, though. Now, when you were a, when you were a musician for life in the heyday of Chimera's success, would you rather be touring or recording? Recording. I love the creative aspect. I mean, yeah, playing the show is great, but the other 23 hours are horrible. Whereas I can sit 23 hours straight in a studio. Even if it's boring, I'm more, I'm more happy about that. Now, the last one is, is the only triple one, and it, because of nowadays landscape, it has to be. Would you prefer CD, vinyl, or streaming? I'm a big streaming guy. I love it. I'm constantly on Spotify, constantly using it to either rediscover old bands uh, that I forgot I even liked. Uh, like sometimes when you're like click on an artist you listen to, it's just, you know, other artists like it. You're like, oh shit, I forgot all about them. <laughs> so I like it for rediscovering stuff and then uh, also for discovering new stuff. Um, it hasn't quite figured me out yet, this and their, their algorithm, but it's getting a little bit closer. And uh, <laughs> so I like, but, you know, especially with some of the hip hop, I like it's like they keep throwing in stuff with R&B singers and I'm like oh no (laughs) straight hood shit that's all I want you know (laughs) straight up gangster (laughs) yeah like I don't want to hear no one sing on this track (laughs) um Mark what uh, uh that was beyond all my expectations dude um thank you for just not only taking time out but thank you for just being a dude about things and being open and honest and just welcoming. Um, thank you. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it. And thanks for the good questions and allow me to give you good content, I suppose. <laughs> so that was my chat with Mark of Chimera. Thank you so, 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 so fucking much, Mark, for taking time out for the Mosh Zone Really, really appreciated you having a bit of spare time and allowing us to get that great, insightful and very different chat for the Mosh Zone. Of course, guys, if you don't know who Chimera are, do you even know Metalcore? Do you even know Metal? There's so many albums online and in stores that you can get. If you haven't yet delved in, make sure you do so. Also, as we mentioned in that chat, there is a great... 20-minute doco online called Down Again, starring Mark and the guys from Chimera. Make sure you also check that out. Thank you again, Mark. Much love, much respect, much appreciated. So that's it for the Mosh Zone episode 44. We're done, dusted, in the can, all wrapped up, all over Red Rover. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener... 
Thank you for giving the show a go. I hope you tune in for future episodes over future weeks. If you're a frequent listener, much love and thank you as always for tuning into the Mosh Zone. Now guys, it's that time of the show. It's near the end of the show. So I need to remind you and ask you if you've got some free time this week, help us spread the word about the Mosh Zone. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell anyone that likes heavy music about the Mosh Zone. Also, if you've got some free time this week, help us out with a share on your social medias. Share it on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Help us grow this show. Help us grow the Mosh Zone community. It's also that time of the show where I need to remind you, don't forget to subscribe to the website. The website is www.themoshzone.com and also don't forget to like and follow us on social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are at The Mosh Zone. So that's it. No more rambling from me. Thank you again for tuning in. Have a great week. Stay safe. Over the pit.